American football in Finland. The voice in your ears is Perfect Purvis, and this is American Football in Finland. Today, I'm joined by my co-host, Coach Q. What's going on, Q? What up, what up? We back. <laughs> Once again, the AFF podcast is available on all podcast platforms. Instead of saying all of them, it's on all of them. Mm -hmm. And we're also on YouTube. So wherever you listen or watch this podcast, you can find us. Make sure to click and subscribe, uh, become a follower. We need as many of those as we can. I think we have a little bit over a thousand followers on Podbean, but our YouTube channel only has like 90 something subscribers or something. So, you know, just hit subscribe and you get that YouTube link in case you don't want to just listen. You want to see the visual of us talking. That's all it is. It's like a picture and then us talking. Make sure that you do rate us uh, five stars. Anything less will tell us that you are a hater. So let's get into it. Mm -hmm. All right, it's first down. Normally, this is where, you know, we start fresh and discuss what's on our minds. But today we got a topic. I really wish Chris had made it for this topic, but that's okay. We're going to talk about it anyways. And the topic is... Him, Lee Anthony mm -hmm. Reasonover, controversy. <laughs> now, I'm, I'm going to put this out here before we get into it, that normally on this podcast, we, we stay out of, like, politics and, you know, rumors, he say, she say type of stuff, you know, what we hear, what people tell us. Like, we, we really stay out of that type of stuff, and we just speak on what we what our thoughts and opinions are. But this is one of those situations we can't just pass up, okay? So anyone who is not aware, uh, almost a month ago, there was an incident after the Steelers played the Crocodiles for the first time where LeAnthony Reasonover threw a punch at one of the players on the Crocodiles team, and consequently he was suspended by the league for four games. But then there were press releases saying that him and the Corpio Steelers had terminated the contract. So he was no longer going to be on the team and we have not seen him, you know, in the vicinity or anything about the Steelers in the last month. And right before this past game where they were about to play, were they playing the Crocodiles again? Yeah, that's probably what it was. Mm -hmm. Right right before they were about to play the Crocodiles, there's press release saying that he has rejoined the Steelers um, and he wasn't going to be playing in that game. So just drawing conclusions, obviously he – he hasn't played in four games for the Steelers, but also it seemed like he might not have actually left the team. So, yeah, just those are just the facts that we know for sure. We know that he's still for on sure. the team. He technically didn't play in four games. We don't know if like his contract actually was voided. Like these are all things that only the team, Lee Anthony, and maybe the SAJL can answer. We can't answer that here, but the whole thing just comes off as shady. Wow. That's my opinion. Man. But but you go ahead and tell me what you think about this whole like whatever conspiracy this is that we have going on, Q. Um, yeah, I'm still I'm still a little lost on it. I've literally been around Finland football for a long time now and I've never seen anything like this happen before. Um the last person that I remember um that got suspended for four games was uh Jock Crawford. Um, and he actually played for the San Diego Crocodiles at the time. And uh, I just didn't ever 
expect this. It felt like Sanioki was trying to make a, a statement. Not Sanioki. They said the league was trying to make a statement saying that they weren't going to put up with this type of behavior or whatever. So the league, I'm not sure if the league made the decision to spend him for four games or it was Sanioki who made the decision to spend him for four games. But I feel like it was the league. But in that case, um, this is totally out of out of the, the blue for him to be, I don't want to say re-signing because now it seems like he never terminated the contract because how, I mean, I'm just asking, how can you be suspended for four games if you're not part of a team? Um, if you're not on an active roster, how can you be considered suspended for four games? If, if a team releases you, that means when you come back, you have to miss four games, in my opinion. But I'm not sure if Rope and SAJ, uh, they they actually go by that because technically anybody can do that. If you get suspended for five games, all right, well, I'm just not going to play for the first five games and then I'm assigned to your team. But is that really serving a suspension if they said that he released, if they released him out of his contract? So it's, this is, uh, if, it, if, it, if it was cool with them, all right, like let it go. But I think it, it just shows weird mess for the rest of the, uh, the league saying like, all right, he didn't technically serve a suspension. You, you, unless there was some stuff going on behind closed doors that nobody knew about, but this was kind of weird. I kind of figured that because Corpio didn't sign anybody else. Yeah. Um, they didn't sign another running back. That that was kind of, and, and it just made it sound, man, I know they ain't going with this team for the rest of the season. So it was kind of surprising that they didn't sign anybody else. Um, but now it makes sense because they were probably expecting him to come back after four games, which means. In terms that we had any reason of it, the best thing that ever happened to Corpio. If they were willing to do this, if they were willing to do this, wait four games and to, to to bring him back, that means that they have a lot of respect for him and he has a lot of respect for that team. But the whole releasing part, uh, we shouldn't even have to go through that then. You should have just said, all right, he's spent four games and we'll see him in four games. But to say that you released him and all this and then you're like, oh, we rehired him and Resign like it was just it's just a lot right there. Um especially yeah, with your team something going especially on. Especially when the team is sitting. Yeah, something going on. So I'm not a hater. <laughs> Welcome back. Welcome back. Uh I think this changes a lot for the for the for the rest of the season. I think this right here, him coming back changes a lot. Um we know what he can do. Um he's rested, which whew, is gonna be crucial for the teams that he had to play coming up. Uh, but yeah, it's still just an awkward, crazy situation. Um, I didn't get all the details about it, so I can't really say everything, but it just from the outside it seems like we said one thing, but we did another thing. <laughs> Which is it illegal. <laughs> so uh it's just it's just I think it's just frowned upon because if I'm the other coaches in the league, I'm probably asking now, like, what is this? You know, is it's it's considered a suspension. But I the times that I've been around Rope, I I understood that he's a pretty fair guy. Um, so in, in my eyes, I believe that he considers him missing four games of suspension, even if he was part of the team or wasn't. So there it is. Yeah. That, I mean, you said it all. It's just an interesting thing. We won't harp on it, but we had to get it out. All right. So the players of the week have been announced on our social media channels earlier. But of course, we got to explain our choices. First up, we have Danny Kittner. Wide receiver from the Helsinki Roosters. Uh, just throw out his stats real quick. He had seven receptions, 213 yards, two touchdowns. 
and ended with 240 all-purpose yards. Just going to throw this out there before I let you talk uh, about him a little bit more. I mean, he he balled. He was everything and and everything more for the mm-hmm. Roosters in this game, and it was really good to see him, you know, have that. I mean, the first game he had was great, and then he just compounded it, and now he's creating that consistency, which reminds me I need to write him down on my list for all Finland too because I forgot to do that. But yeah, it was it was Danny being Danny. I guess that's what I'm gonna start calling it, Danny being Danny. He killed that kid playing uh, DB against him all day. Yeah, and you know 20. what? Yeah. yeah, number twenty, young kid. Um, <laughs> I think I don't know if Danny listens to the podcast yet because you know he knew to Finland. But if he listens to the podcast, hey man, keep up the swagger. We love it. Tapping on his <laughs> hand, saying he's too small. I love it. I mean, it's a little much because the dude's like 19, 20 years old. But still, you know, you you out there. Yeah, out there, you're going to get the smoke. Danny ain't taking it easy on nobody. Appreciate him putting up these big numbers, too. Just good to see him uh, have another great week. And this time, he he probably felt like – some people probably felt like he should have got MVP last week. So, you know, eventually we get to you, right? This week, he get, he gets offensive player of the week. He definitely balled. To say something quick about him, he definitely balled. Um, I think offensive player could have probably went to a few people, but – I think he had the biggest impact. I think the Roosters were in certain situations and he bailed them out, keeping drives alive, uh, scoring touchdowns. Um, he was a big play guy. Uh, um, I know we said we were trying to see why did they shine another receiver. We see now he's a lot more. Um, I think you can count on him more. He's in the, he's in the outside. Dume wasn't on the outside, really. Um, so it gives you more one-on-one where you could be out there. But he's showing up. He definitely um, – Made some great plays. I mean, they could keep him out of the end zone. Like literally, he probably should have had. He probably could have had five or six touchdowns if they really, you know, uh, if uh, didn't see. I can't say his name now, but if the quarterback for the Roosters can get him the ball, Cinadinos, <laughs> yeah. If he can give him the ball, then he definitely would have uh, probably put up some crazy numbers. Um, but even to have seven receptions for two hundred thirteen yards is crazy. Um, yeah, but they just can't do anything with him. The Royals had no – I mean, they couldn't do anything. It was just kind of like – but it was a must-win game for Roosters. But we'll talk about that later. But but shout-out to Danny Kidner, though, for, for showing up for the Roosters. Yeah, that sound, sounds about right. Um, again, every time we do this, I feel like we just want to talk about the player, but then you want to start getting into the game because some things you want to say about cool. him and the Roosters. But I'm going to move on and go to defensive player of the week, uh, Seth Zins, defensive line lineman from Sineoki Crocodiles. Big number 92. Stat-wise, he had six tackles, three-and-a-half tackles lost, one-and-a-half sacks, and one PBU. Again, I think when you look at the Crocodile D-line, you could you give defensive player of the week to any one of their defensive linemen every week. It is what it is. But this week, Seth just kind of stood apart a little bit. And I think really what it was was those, those early sacks in the game to kind of stop the the opponent's offense and give the Crocodiles that, you know, that lead that they needed going into the half. And kind of being able to, you know, pump the brakes and get ahead in this game because, it, again, it, it came down to eventually this team, the team that they're playing, uh, Crusaders, are going to try to come back. And there's just nothing you could do. They have the talent for that. But if you can get ahead of them and stop them early, which is what the Crocodiles did early in this game, it seemed like, oh, Crocodiles might run away with this. And that's because that defense early on was able to do fundamental things. And Seth was a big part of that up front and him just being able to get to the quarterback early and kind of set the tone for the defense. Just another great performance by him. He's had a, a lot of them this season. I think this is the one that really stood out for him. So it's great to have him be defensive player of the week. What are your thoughts, Q? 
No, he, he definitely was active in the game. <clears throat> Excuse me. He was de definitely active in the game. Everywhere you looked around, you seen his big 92 walking around like a madman. Um, but he's just another guy that adds on to that setting up the defense. He's been a part of it um, for a few years now. So six tackles, three and a half tackles for loss, and almost two sacks, man. That's a great game for a D lineman. Um, it doesn't matter who you play for, but that's a great game. And they needed that in this game um, because – USC wasn't going away. <laughs> so um, <laughs> yeah. so even with him having the type of game he had, you know, it did it definitely made a difference. I think it wore down on, on USC. But uh Seth Jens, shout out to you, man. Keep balling. Uh, the whole defense as a whole keep balling. They actually the whole defense probably could have been defense team of the week, but uh, we'll talk about that later. So let's talk about some of the key player performances from this week. First up, and I think I got to – I kind of go by the games. Like, as the games, I always try to choose one or two players from each game that maybe stats don't pop off the page. And this is going to be the most interesting one of the year. I really want people to pay attention to this first one. Actually, Olin, cornerback from the Helsinki Roosters. Okay, now look at his stats. He has six and a half tackles. I do not care about his stats in this game. What actually Olin did was he held – Alpha Jallo to seven receptions, 79 yards, and zero touchdowns. He he did what the Roosters have not been able to do pretty much all year is play cornerback well enough to slow down the other team's receiver. Mm. Did he play great? Did he lock him down? Did he shut him down? No. But that's not what you have to do. All you have to do is not give up the big plays and look at how well your team does in this game. You you force someone like Timothy Morvick to throw the ball other places when you're around him enough, close enough to him, or at least make it look like you have him covered. Something. Mm -hmm. And then when they try you, you don't give up the butt. And we, we've said on this podcast all year, like actually Olin was playing safety earlier in the year, and we've said it. I know I've said it. That, you know, he's a little older, not as fast as he used to be, but the, the guy still know football. And all he did against Alpha was he played to his strengths, forced Alpha to play his way, and did just enough. He didn't stop mm -hmm. Alpha. No, no reasonable football player would say giving up 79 yards and seven receptions is locked down. But when you mm -hmm. consider that Alpha Jallo is normally above 100 with two touchdowns pretty much every game, you did the impossible in this one. And you should get credit for it. And I think that this is one of those things where what we do on our podcast and when we're picking, you know, player performances, is we're not looking at stats. It's not all about stats. It's about what you do. Um, I said it earlier, our offensive player of the week, he had 200 yards in the same game. But his the cornerback that he was going up against almost every play is like 19, 20 years old tops. I don't know exactly how old that kid is, but he's on the U-20 team. So he can't be older than 20. While – you have Alpha going up against Axley Olin, who is a man, a grown-up, and you see the difference. You see that Axley is able to do things from that position that a lot of the cornerbacks in this league can't do. Because when we look around the league, a lot of these cornerbacks are very young. And I think the Roosters did a really good job putting Axley out there and saying, hey, we trust that you can get the job done. And just want to give kudos to Axley for having a really good game against a great player. No, no, you, you said it all. You said it all. That's that's him. I mean, he's been around a long time. He's smart more than anything. When you get older and you get a little slower, you, you use your, you know, your senses and your skills and your brain a lot more. 
And I think that's what, what he did this game. He just put himself in a position to to make plays and for Tim to look the other way um, a lot of times when, when they were running plays. So, uh, actually, shout out to him. Yeah, and he was taking over the kick the kick the kicking duties kick, for this yeah. game because Johannes yeah. wasn't there. But next person I got, I'm still on the Roosters. You know, I, I I like Roosters players. I think they have a good team. I just think they don't put it all together. But next guy is Will Little, the defensive lineman from Helsinki Roosters. Stat wise, he had five tackles, half tackle for loss. I'm not gonna say a lot about him, but I am gonna say that number zero was a presence. And you could see the impact he had on this game up the middle. The Royals weren't really able to run, per se, like they normally are. And that's because he just disrupted a lot of things. I don't think he necessarily made a lot of tackles in this game, but they couldn't run up the middle. That's for damn sure. Suosti didn't have his typical game. And even Timothy wasn't able to run as well as you want to. And when you play nose guard, pretty much, nose tackle, whatever position you want to call it, that uh, Will plays, that's what you want to do. Stop the run. Force the team to pass and put them in positions where even when they pass, you know, they're not doing that good. And I also want to throw this out there. I, I watch Will a lot when he's playing because I'm I'm very um, nitpicky with the defensive alignment in this league. Mm-hmm. If he was like half a step faster, he would legitimately be like an Aaron, Aaron Donald type because he <laughs> – if you watch the film, the team runs outside plays to avoid him, and he still gets into the backfield, and he's just like a little bit – it's a little bit too far for him to go left and make right. that tackle. He's like half a step, and there's no, like, discredit to him, but damn, he, he's forcing this team to go that to that outside where he has help and his teammates can make tackles. But, man, if he was just a little bit quicker – I would be putting him on my like all time Finland defensive lineman list because he he'd have more tackles for loss. That's pretty I much. Think, I think I think he I think he has it. I think he gets off the ball slow. That's that's so? what it is. It's a it's a second it's a second slower than what it should be. Yeah, um, like you say, watching the film because he has the mechanics. Mm-hmm. He has the hands. He can get off blocks. Yeah, I think it's just he's he's just behind a second. Yeah, and and he'll probably watch it. Maybe he won't. But I look at it and I and I look at the D line. I'm like, okay, he would be dominating pretty much if he yeah. if he didn't go off of the snap count. He's going off of the snap count and not necessarily anticipating feeling, it. Anticipating it. Yeah. If he was anticipating go. it, then then he would do a lot more. But he's at, he's always active in the backfield. Um yeah. every game, pretty much. So yeah, yeah, yeah every he, game. He's there. And you can feel that, that presence. And again, that that's what really the big thing for a lot of these defense alignment. If you're these running backs and skilled players are gonna be fast. So if you could just put pressure on them, that's doing more than enough. Next guy I got on the list. Oh, big guy, Vincent McDonald, wide receiver Ooh. for Opio Steelers. Uh stat-wise, he had a monster game, nine receptions, 183 yards, two touchdowns. Okay, first of all. Back to what I've been saying. They got to stop putting these kids out here against the men because (laughs) (laughs) the Butchers had um, a young, another U-20 guy playing quarterback, a tall guy, but tall don't don't equal strength, speed, athleticism, and all the other stuff. But um, had a tall guy guarding McDonald traveling with him at that, which I thought that was crazy. Like, 
if you traveling with somebody, that means you're supposed to be able to do something. Mm. They had nothing for him. Nothing for him. You you throw this man a hitch in this game, he's gonna catch it, break the first tackle, second tackle, and he got a long stride, so he's gonna get a lot of yards. He ain't got that breakaway speed, speed, but he but he can get you what you need. And then you throw mm-hmm. it up in the air, and he just on top of everybody's head. I think he had like two uh boss ac- actions in this game where he basically just took it off the defender's head from the top and ugh. And then he had that mm-hmm. uh one in the end zone where he got like one foot down. He's He's really good at getting that foot down in the end zone, even earlier in the year where they said that he didn't have a touchdown. Like, there's been a couple times where it's like, film-wise, because his footwork is so good. And in this game, it was just him having another game. And he's he's really standing out this season as, if you get him the ball, he's going to produce. And that's all the Steelers have to do is get him the ball. Every time they've gotten him, you know, targets in a game, he's had a monster game, and this week was no different. That's all I got on him. Yeah, I know he, he's a big target. I think it should have been going to him more anyway, just to get that chemistry, that confidence up. Ambrose just, you know, he, he spreads the ball around, but I think it should have really focused on him these last four games. He should have been a big focal point. I know the, the Corpio went more of a running game and didn't want to put it on Ambrose, but I think he should have, you know, red zone, even, even if he got in the red zone, just anything, slants, anything. He's just a big, big target that can run. And I think you got to get the ball in his hands. And uh, you can see what he do just by this last game. You can see that, like, they had no answer for him at all. So um, they just got to figure out a way to incorporate him more going down the stretch. But definitely, uh, he he definitely showed up. I'll say that. Next guy I got, hey, this guy been on the list every week. Christian Nottenham, wide receiver, Corvu Butchers. Y'all going to remember his name. Shoot, I'm remembering it. Y'all gonna remember his name. He had three receptions, 98 yards, one touchdown. Okay, he didn't have 100 yards this time, but I mean, he only had three receptions, and he still almost had 100 off of three. My my guy is consistent. Every week, you're gonna get almost 100 and a tug from Nottingham, no matter what happens to the Butchers. And now they're on what a five game winning streak. I would credit him with a lot of that. Is the fact that you can find number seven. Anywhere in the field, he's going to make a play. He's going to catch the ball. He's going to get you yards after catch as well. All around, great receiver. Did it again this week. They got the win. Like, just throwing it out there. He's the guy. Mm-hmm. He, he's my I'm, – I'm putting this out. He's my wide receiver one of the Maple League this season. I, I'm just I'm just putting that out there. I'm not going back on it for the rest of the season. I'm stuck with him. Okay? Mm-hmm. Stuck with him. And we ain't going to argue. I'm moving on to the next guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we ain't going to argue. I'm not going to argue. We're moving on to the next guy. Uh, Seth Rowland, running back from UNC Crusaders. Throw out this guy's stats. He had 25 rushes, 128 yards, three touchdowns, 243 all-purpose yards. Seth Rowland. MVP. Hey, 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 hey. If they were winning, if they were winning. He's just he does everything. Like just listen to the stats set. He had 128 yards rushing. He ended with 243 all purpose. That's because he almost took that kickoff to the house. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's playing the return game as well. And we've seen him even go and play defense late in games. I'm not sure if he came in to play defense in this game or not, but he probably did at the end of the game. Like he normally does. Like that's how good of a player he is. And in this game, it was no different. The offense runs through him. 
he's able to run the ball where, in my opinion, he's not really get, even getting blocks. I'm watching the linemen. The linemen are letting the defenders come upfield, and then he's just – they're turning their backs, and then he's just finding holes that, that really mm-hmm. shouldn't be holes. But just his ability to see it in time and get there at a speed that no one can really calculate because he's a lot faster than he looks because he's a small running back, but he's as fast as, you know, someone who's like 6'1", 6'2". And in this game, he did everything he <laughs> asked for him. Just, you know, mm-hmm. you're not, you're not going to beat the crocodiles. That's just how it goes sometimes. And, but yeah, they tried. They gave it. They all. And they gave him. They, they gave him. They all. They yeah, gave him all. He he is. He should be next to. I'll say this right now. Next to Powell being signed first next year, depending mm-hmm. on the outcome. Seth should be the second signing for any. Somebody should be talking to him now. Like, yeah. hey. We want you next year because we got a line, we got this, we got that. Because that this type of running back right here who can catch the ball out of the, out of the backfield, he has hands. He can also go get you a sack on defense. Uh, <laughs> That's crazy. This this is you know like this is he is a, a, a one man show. Um, but just imagine what he could do if he had all the other parts um, to go with it. Like he's fighting for every yard that he gets now, and he's still coming away with two hundred and some yards a game. So just imagine if he actually had that type of line to be behind. Like it'll be crazy, but yeah, Seth he balling every week, literally every week he's on here. And you you said it. He he really might be the. the I was trying to first. I'm, I'm thinking like he for the Cecil Award, like best player this year. He really might be that guy because as much as we like Powell, you know when you had. It's one of those like LeBron, you know, situations. You start talking about what he has around him, and then you look at someone like Seth Rollins, where it's like, yeah, there's a yeah. couple bright spots here and there, but take him off the, I think off the game, and they're not doing USC, nothing. If UNC goes to the playoffs and he keep playing like this, there's no reason why he shouldn't be the MVP in yeah. my eyes. Yeah, and and for me, it's one of those things where I feel like he would be my MVP, not my offensive player. Yeah, I feel yeah, like he does yeah. with him with him playing, you know, special teams as well, and him being so important to the actual team aspect of it that he's an overall like one of the best players. He's he kind of embodies what we think of when we think about the CISU award that we've had here at AFF is you know that outstanding player. It's outstanding mm-hmm. when you could do more than what's expected of you, more than just mm-hmm. your position type of stuff. But moving on, next guy I got Zach Whitehead, quarterback, senior Crocodiles. Do, is what week seven was it week no week seven week eight it in week eight Zach Whitehead finally had one of those games that make you think damn this could be a really good quarterback I mean it took till week eight let's just keep it like yeah. it is before now he's just kind of been you know on the team in our opinion. yeah yeah, he's, yeah. He's but in this game twenty for twenty six two hundred forty two yards three touchdowns and stat wise it's great I think that's like. 77 almost 80 percent um completion but he he wasn't just making easy throws he was making throws on the run he was putting balls in places where receivers had to go get it because he put it where the defenders couldn't get it he had a great game and he played like a great quarterback but we just haven't seen that before but i do want to give him credit that this week he looked like a, a qb1 out there and he went and did what his team needed him to do in this game um Shout out to their offensive coordinator 
for, you know, believing in him to do that in those situations. But also shout out to those receivers for being on the same page with him. Because a lot of what they did in this game are plays where normally we see receivers drop balls or not make the plays or not get to the spots that the quarterback is putting the ball at. But he's has a great rapport with his receivers and they they came through for him this week. And, you know, those stats kind of were evidence of it. Probably one of the best games he's had all season. Moving on to the next guy I got, Raul Khalifa, linebacker, Wassel Royals. Has six tackles, one PBU, and one interception for 82-yard touchdown. Uh, the, mm-hmm. the young Khalifa, baby Khalifa is what we should call him. Baby Khalifa, because he's the youngest of the uh, three brothers. And I, I, There might be another brother. I'm not sure. There's just a lot of Khalifa. Yeah, uh, it's a lot of them, right? It's D-Lyman. Yeah, d Lyman's the oldest. And then you got Rufa <laughs> at corner. And then he playing linebacker. You have a, a, a Khalifa at every level on the Royals defense. If y'all if you're doing great, you have one at every level. You have a, a D line, a linebacker, and a cornerback. But Raul had a great game. He he's been making tackles all year. Just in this game, him having that interception at the end of that first uh, Wolverines drive, and then taking it back 82 yards, it deflated the other team. They were on a long drive, and he got the interception, took it all the way back, and said, "Hey, all that don't count for nothing." This is kind of him getting to this point as this season has been going on. This first year in the Maple League, he's becoming a star. And that was kind of – this game was one of those, hey, I'm here. Y'all going to have to remember number 56, which I hate that number. Then you should go back to number 23. Hey, look, when he get when he get bigger, it's going to make a difference. When he get bigger, it's going to look better, I promise Yeah, you, he got he, he to fill out the jersey. Yeah, he just got to <laughs> fill out because he's going to – I mean, like you said, he – Looking at him, looking at his uh, aesthetics, and looking at his his skill, um, he's going to be a really, really good linebacker mm-hmm. um, if he stays, you know, stays playing with the Maple League and and, and, and around that that crew. He's going to be a really good linebacker. You can see that he's he doesn't fear anything. He's yeah. just small. He's just yeah. small. So well, he's, he's like fighting seventeen. That he's sixteen yeah. or seventeen years old. So yeah. So for the closer to him, even even to even be in the box against some of these linemen that you're going against. Um, but seeing that he doesn't he doesn't shy away from stuff, uh, you know, you can see the young part of him, the immature part of him as far as football play, but he's not scared of anything. And um, he'll stick his head in there. And that 82 yard, man, that's, that's what you want right there. Like like anything to help you get a win, you got to do. Um, but shout out to the Raw. Shout out to all the Khalifas, man. They, they all good. But him definitely showed up his game. So family of it. All right, last guy. Let me get out of here with these performances. Shay Netter, linebacker, <laughs> Helsinki Wolverines. Yeah, eight and a half tackles, two and a half tackles for loss. I did not watch him in the second half of this game. I didn't watch the second half of the game, but I don't care. Shay came out there, played linebacker, out there making tackles. Respect. That's all I want to say. Respect. He came out there and made tackles. Yeah, that's all you needed. That's how they need it anyway. Somebody to have some heart, man. To have some heart. Shane Netter, uh, even though he's played, I mean, quarterback, but he's like an aggressive quarterback. You know, yeah. even then, like it was tough. He's just yeah. aggressive. He's an aggressive guy. Like so, it's it's cool to see him uh, to get out there. I know he's been talking about playing anyway, so it's cool to see him out there, even if it's on the defense side of the ball. He's he's playing football and and, and he's giving that team some some spark. And uh, he should have actually had about 12, 13 tackles. Really, he missed a few. But uh, had to get the uh, rush out. Shout out to Shane Netter. Yeah, shout out to Shane Netter for coming off the 
sideline and, 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 and showing up for the Wolverines. If you're listening to my voice, you're now part of the AFF community. But don't be shy about supporting us. Head over to our website and order some AFF swag. Get a t-shirt for this beautiful summer weather. Or a comfy hoodie you can rock all year long. And if you really want the drip, scoop up one of our limited edition snapback caps. Everything you need to represent the AFF community can be found on our website at AmericanFootballInFinland.com forward slash merch. All right, so we all know the results of last weekend's game, but let's explain which teams won and which teams lost. First game up. This is going to be good this week because I feel like either way. First game, Wasser Royals versus the Roosters. Did the Roosters win this thing or did the Royals lose that thing? Mm, I think the Roosters won this game. All right. I think the Roosters won this game. I think they – I think they got a little better with Kidner. I think they got a little better. I don't uh, defensively they actually played better, but I also see some adjustments that the Roosters made that that the Royals didn't make. I think they left it to Timothy and trying to still do the zone read and try to get you know his 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 plays out there. Um, but I think the Roosters offensively made the plays they need to make to to win the game, even though it was a close one. Even though it was a close one, I think the Roosters still had that edge when it came down to uh, making the plays they needed to make. Um, Kidner showed up. It was times where I felt like the Roosters stalled out, and then he would make a play or a deep catch or a Keep pass where it's just like, yeah, it's like he kept him alive. And um, that's that's what you want. It was a must-win game for the Roosters, um, even though I don't know if they'll say it, but everybody knows it was a must-win game. They, they needed this game. They had a lot of their guys that's been injured come back. They're not 100%. In order to to get to where you want to go as a team, you need guys like that on your team that's going to keep the the spirits up, that's going to keep making plays and get the fans involved. He's a hyper guy. And I think defensively, they held it down for the most part. Yeah. Um, not to have Alpha be a part of, of, of trying to beat Alpha necessarily. They, they left it to, all right, everybody else is going to have to beat us. And uh, they, they couldn't pull it off, but um, the Roosters definitely won this game. It's nice to see them get this nice quality win. Honestly, it's nice to nice to see them get it, even though it was close. It was a battle. Um, I think they still have work to do, but they needed this in order to have a chance. And um, I think the Roosters just just did what they needed to do to win the game. And that's all you got to really do in these situations. But we got a lot of football left, um, but they definitely won this game. I'll give them that. They definitely won this game. I would agree. I, I think the Roosters won. I'm glad that me and you both picked them to win this game. Uh, pick them is mm-hmm. tough because you never really know if the team is going to play the way that you expect when you make these picks. And this is one of those games where we knew the Royals were playing on short rest. Then they had to travel. No, they were home team in this game. Never mind. That's their second game. Never mind. But they, ju- they just had a game like four days previously. So despite even if you have to travel or not, like physically they're going to be exhausted. Yeah. And in this game, the Roosters played like what we expected them to play. Their offense was on point. Like you said, Kidner kept making big play after big play to keep them in it. Defensively, they made the, the small adjustments. It it don't sound like a lot, but just putting actually Olin on Alpha was all that defense needed because their secondary is their hugest, like that's the biggest problem they have is that they can't stop good receivers. And they didn't really stop Alpha. They just slowed them down. And that's all they needed because they were able to stop the run. Like I said earlier in this podcast, Will Little did his thing up the middle. 
and their defense, you know, got to the ball. Royals just the Royals have not turned into what we thought they would be at the midsummer point. We thought they were trending upwards. We thought they were going to get better with a number two receiver. They brought in Italian guy. No offense to Escobar. Nope. Uh, I don't know if he related to Pablo or not. But wasn't it wasn't an answer. He, yeah, he wasn't an answer. That, it is it is what it is in this game. I'm just looking again. I feel like I've said this like the last two or three times we talked about the Royals. A lot of incomplete passes, either drops or kind of bad throws by the quarterback. Moravik has 16 completions. Seven of them went to Alpha. That's almost half, which means, like, if you're not throwing to him, you're not getting anything. And it same thing. He didn't get anything. He had two interceptions as well. So that's half your throws right there. I don't, I don't know what else they're going to do. They can't, they can't run the ball consistently because their offensive line is not very good. They have one good offensive lineman, the right tackle, Seppo. Other than that, the rest of those offensive linemen, all they do is get beat all game, which means Swosti is going to have up and down games depending on who they're playing. And when they're playing against the Roosters, you're playing against a good defense. That's not going to work. You have to get the ball to other people outside of Alpha. They have not fixed that. As long as they don't fix that, they're in trouble. Defensively, they gave up over 500 yards. 500 yards to the Roosters. And that's never going to change. Half of their defense is U20 players. They're going to get beat. And, but we, this is Maple League. We know this. You're going to give up yards. You're going to give up points. But you got to be able to score points too. All it is is pressure. If you're scoring and the other team is, is scoring, that goes into their mind as they're scoring. It's like, okay, we have to score. That kind of puts a, a pressure on the other offense. But if you're not scoring and they're scoring, they can run, they can pass. Uh, Ville Hamelainen had almost another 100, 200-yard game. I think he had almost 100 Ooh. yards rushing. I can't – I don't yeah. know the exact stat. But he had a great rushing game. They were able to run and pass the ball. The Royals' defense had nothing for them, and their offense didn't complement them. The offense didn't, you know, force the Roosters to be like, oh, we got to score this time, or they might score. It's like, okay, we can score, but if we don't score, we can run. You a little clock. They're not going to stop us anyways. Next thing you know, 500 yards offense for the Roosters. And again, credit to the Roosters. Roosters won the game, but the Royals just aren't the team that we thought they were, and they're not playing like it. And that won't even go into what I'm going to talk about their second game. So we'll move on. Second game, well, the actual first week eight game will be the Steelers versus the Butchers, and it was a good one. I feel like it was all around. It was a good game to watch. Two teams going at it, but Ooh. ultimately, you know, the Butchers are on a five-game win streak. Uh-oh. Looking good. What did you see in this one? Uh, oh, no. Uh, who won or lost it, actually? Yeah. I believe the Butchers won this game um, simply because they won it. They, at the end of the game, had more points than the other team. I'm not going to throw hypothetical situations in it um, to say, what if Lee Anthony was there or – you know, that type of thing. But I do know what happened when he wasn't there. So I can just imagine what's going to happen when he returns. But let's talk about this game now. The Butchers won the game. Offensively, they've done what they've been doing the past few weeks, and that's Brandon Gwinner getting the ball um, to all of his receivers, not to then getting the ball to Miko Seppin and uh, throwing Mickey in the mix. Mickey is out there slicing and dicing 
um, at the running back position. So it's it's keeping a lot of teams on edge because of that offense, because they have a running back, because they have a running quarterback. They also have a quarterback can throw the ball um, mid-range. Deep ball, not so good, not so much, but Brandon Gwinner just can score points. And anytime that you play against a team like Corpus, or if you play against any team in the league and you can score 30, 30 points, you're probably going to be in a good position to win games. I think the Butchers um, just have an edge right now. I think they got the confidence that they need to win these games and to be able to come into these games. I think they're on a mission. So do I still think they're the I – I know you didn't ask this, but do I think they're the best team? No, I don't. But they are excited. What about the what about the second best team? Yeah, I'll give them that. I'll give them that right now. I think the butchers are up there, the second best team. Um, because they're because they're showing up. Now, like I said, now if the Anthony's playing with the Corpio Steelers, then no, they're not the second best team. Um, but because they play totally different when he's playing. But I'm not taking away from what the butchers are doing. The defense is playing great. Defense is playing great. I mean, for the most part, they're they're holding it down. They do have some lapses at certain positions where it allows other teams to stay in the game. And like what we just seen with with uh, the receivers for Corpio, you know, manhandling their DBs and, and doing what they want to do. And this that right there is what I'm worried about um, going down the stretch because it's all cool, fun when you're winning games during the season. And then you get to a time where that, that fault that you've been camouflaging the whole season will be put at the forefront. And I'm afraid the butchers will have to see that, but just see it at the worst times. Right now, it's great. Uh, Shout to last. Let me tell you, Lassie, Lassie, uh he didn't tag me, but he told me to pick the butchers for points. And uh, the uh, and I'm I'm cool with that. Lassie, me and him played together at the 69ers for a long time, so it's great to see him having the success over there with the butchers. But just 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 remember, uh, the season is not over yet. So if you're in the season. And this is not to him, but I'm just saying the Butchers as a whole, they're young, they're exciting. Um, but you still have to fix things. And I know sometimes when you win games, you, you tend to look at what you could have done better, but you still don't really take time to fix the things that like, hey, this right here is going to get us in trouble. You know what I mean? Like this right here can, get, can really get us in trouble. It's just that we're scoring so many more points. It doesn't really seem that bad because you're winning. And I think the Butchers in this game – yeah, another close one. I mean, it wasn't a perfect game because it wouldn't have been that close. So that lets you know that there's still things that that keep them from being the dominating team. Yeah, you can you can beat the uh, Wolverines and you can beat certain teams 40, 50 to zero because they're just not good. Corpio, it's not that not the Wolverines. You know what I mean? And they fight. And this is these are games that um, the Butchers obviously need to put themselves in position. But at the end of the day, it's not going to make a difference if it doesn't carry on into the playoffs. So um, shout out to Brandon Gordon, shout out to Lassie over there on the defense. Um, all, a lot of my old 69 uh, guys are over there helping, coaching. Um, so I'm happy that they're getting the success. Defensively, I can see it. I can see that what they have and what they could have. Um, but also, it's still early. Honestly, even though we're in week seven, eight, whatever, it's still early, though. Like, we still got a lot of football to play, so. But anyway, shout out to Brandon Gwinner and Nico Sepp and all those guys at the Butchers. They won the game. See, you're better than me because they didn't, they didn't <laughs> want to just call me a hater. Y'all just have to call me a hater. I, I'm going to go opposite so it, it don't sound nearly as bad about the Butchers because they won this game, like hands down. Like it was a game where you had to score enough points to win, and they scored enough points to win. But I'm just going to say 
a, a couple of things here, and and then I'm gonna move on. Try not to hold on to it, but <laughs> don't. You tell me. You tell me. In what world is a defense giving up 475 yards? Okay, 475 yards of offense given up to the Steelers. Uh, Ambrose had another 400 yard passing game. Like, come yeah. on. Like, I, I, come on. I was we, trying to avoid it. Yeah, I was trying I, to avoid I, I, talking about. Yeah, I would throw it out there. Let, let's let's like I mean let's not act like this team is you know you know unbeatable. I mean they they haven't been beaten in almost a month and a half, so you know they feel that way, and that's cool. But come on, four hundred seventy five yards, and to backtrack on that, yeah, they gave up almost five hundred in this game, but a lot of that had to do with like you said, the their offense, their defense really only has one weakness. That's when those cornerbacks are U twenty guys. In the games where they've brought in, you know, Miko Seppinen or Robert Carlson to play cornerback, they've done fine. Even when they put in, like, Royko at nickelback, like, they've done fine when they put in, you know, those older, savvy guys who know how to play. But in this game, they had in two young guys playing against Hannes Haru and Vincent McDonald. They basically said, we don't respect the Steelers receivers. They're not that good. And they found mm. out. And and if anybody knows, the more you fuck around, the more you find out. And that's all those cornerbacks did is they found out you can't just put anybody out there against these guys at receivers because they're legitimate. Hannes Haru is one of the best finished receivers in the in the league, in the country. It is what it is. You can't just put anybody out there and hope that it works out. That's what the um, Butchers defense did. They're like, well, you know, we've been able to hide this against certain teams. We'll do it against the Steelers. Steelers said, no. Nah. We're going to throw it to these guys and make y'all do something. And that's just how it went down. But they were fortunate because their offense, like you said, I think this – now I'm talking good about the Witchers. That's all the bad I have. Mm-hmm. That's Literally, that's it. It's, you put young kids at cornerback, and this is what happens. The other teams can run it up on you with good receivers. But this is probably one of the best and ideal situations for the offense. Just looking at how the offense, like, spread the ball around. Your quarterback – Completed 55% of his passes, 250 yards, three tubs. That's a hell of a stat line for a quarterback. Your running back has 60 yards rushing and two tubs. Hell of a stat line. Then you look at your three receivers. Arola, 97 yards in a tub. Nottenen, 98 yards in a tub. Seppinen, only 50 yards, still got a tub. And his his one big catch basically saved the drive when – I don't think – I really don't think Brandon Gordon was throwing it to him. I think he was throwing it to Mickey J. And he mm-hmm. overthrew him. And Seppinen was like, hey, I got you, bro. I got you. Mm-hmm. Seppinen went up and got it. And I, I want to talk about that play because it was I, – I hope, I don't know, if someone makes like a highlight. Miko Seppinen, he makes highlights. He might make it. That play it epitomizes what Miko Seppinen is to this team. Like, we talk about him as being, like, that veteran presence and that big playmaker. That's just what he does. Like, he makes those big plays. I wholeheartedly believe that was an overthrow. But he was running, and he was like, well, if anybody else going to get it, I'm going to go get it for you. And he makes the team better by doing things that everyone else just can't do. And I know his stats are kind of up and down. Like, some games he has a lot of touchdowns. Some games he has a lot of yards. Some games neither or. But it really doesn't matter because when he makes plays, he makes plays. Like he's Cooper Cup type. Like he don't make those those unnecessary like boosting up stat plays. All the plays that he makes are important and they mean something to the game. 
And again, that's what he did in this game. He only had two catches. He had two catches and a touchdown. I mean, that's pretty good stats. 50% of your, your balls you score on, and you're still putting up stats. So I think the Butchers did really good offensively. Like we've been saying, they they probably can we say this? If they're not the best team, do they have the best offense in the Maple League? Huh? What are you thinking? Mm-hmm. You don't give them nothing. I'll give them that. Okay. I'll okay. give them that. They they got that's why I said they, they can score points. They're exciting. Yeah. When you're giving up 500 points to the other team, like you can't, you can't, like, you shouldn't be yeah. tagging anybody on Instagram. <laughs> like, yeah. they be, like, the, I don't know, the, the Butchers is like the most, I'm not going to say talkative, besides Santa Yoki, they chime in. Like, I like talking. I like, you know, a little talking or whatever. But, like, when we do our picks and, like, we see people saying certain things on the post, and I'm looking like, do y'all watch the games? Mm-hmm. Or do y'all just like look at the outcomes of winning losses and go off of that? Because if you give up 500 yards, like 500 yards without me, Anthony Rizzo, yeah, that that's, <laughs> like that's... like great win, guys. But we gotta fix this. Like that's what I'm doing. Like guys, I'm, there's no way that I'm happy about this win. Like offensively, yeah, we're scoring points, but we still only won by three points. So we gave up 500 yards. Like there's nothing to be tagging anybody about. Nothing. At all. I, I think it's one of those things, though. It's what is a lot of people going off the consumption. A win is a win. <laughs> a win is a win. And, and and it sounds crazy, but sometimes it's not. Like sometimes right? it's like you you only won because you know what I mean. Like yeah, yeah it's a win is a win. But like, come on, bro. Like if I'm a, the next team that y'all play, and I'm like, look, look what they did on them. Like we should be able to take advantage of this too. But you know, it is what it is. It, they you know, won't I, I want to move off of them because you know the butchers are the butchers. I th- they're on a five game win streak. Honestly, if they weren't playing the crocodiles next, I was I was gonna say on the podcast, you know, I'm not gonna pick against them. But mm-hmm. you know, life is life. You're not gonna win the next game. There's nothing I can do about it. And I, I actually was hoping that they would be play someone easy so I could pick them. But <laughs> moving to the play, huh? I want to pick them. I, I want, want to be able to pick them. I I just 475 yards to the Steelers. They're not the crocodiles. But again, let's talk about the Steelers. Just I'm looking at what I got on my notes here. Steelers gave up 20 points off of turnovers. Turnovers. So let's look at those turnovers. In the third quarter, this is, I don't know how I got this on my notes, but I think this was pivotal of the game. In the third quarter, the Steelers had two straight turnovers, and they went from winning 27 to 24. They were up 27-24 and were receiving a punt, which means you're up three, and you're probably going to score again, right? Because you just scored, you're in the rhythm. Noah Choke touches the punt even though he's not supposed to. So Butchers get the ball in the one-yard line, they score. Then when the Steelers actually get the ball – Ambro throws an interception in the middle of the field. Zach Wright, give me that. Give me all that. <laughs> he runs for I don't know how many yards after the catch, so they get the ball in the red zone. Both of these times, guess who's scoring a touchdown? Mickey J. I think it was Mickey J. both times. He red zone scooping up. Hey, fantasy-wise, if you're playing that fantasy pick your sixth thing, hey, Mickey J. was uh-huh. a good pick this week, getting them, them red zone touches. Don't need no yards. He's getting touchdowns. But from right there, it went from 27-24 being up by three to 27-37 being down by 10. That's how fast this game flipped for them. 
Now, again, now you're down by 10 and you lost the game by three. And you gave up 20 points off of turnovers. And the Steelers only scored one. They had one score off of turnovers for themselves, which I don't even know how that happened. But that's a, technically what it happened. Ambrose had three pick, picks. Three. First pick, Honest are you wide open. He underthrows it. It becomes an interception. Second pick, they throw a screen to McDonald where the receiver in front of him, number 21, I think it was Noah Choate again, can't block the DB. So the DB is in the ball. The ball hits off of McDonald's hand, goes up in the air. Nico Royko gets the pick. Third pick, I already talked about it. Throw it in the middle of the field. Zach Wright taking that. So there you go. Your quarterback giving the other team the ball, and you're turning over the ball doing dumb things like touching the ball on a punt return. Like the Steelers, I, again, I'm saying that the the Butchers won the game, but the Steelers had the opportunity to win this game. There was a time in this game where they could have won, and them being who they are now, not who they used to be, is why they lost. Their offense really had no problem moving the ball. You had McDonald had 183 yards, two touchdowns. Haru, 150 yards, two touchdowns. Choate had 60 yards. Haru was open all game. McDonald was putting a highlight tape on number two from the Butchers all game. Yet you lose because your quarterback is putting the ball in places he shouldn't, and then you got players making just boneheaded mistakes at bad times of the game. Both defenses played bad. Both On both these teams, both defenses played bad. But the Steelers offense actually had a chance to win this game and then gave it away on Dumb turnovers. Again, we say this every week. Win the turnover battle. Steelers lost turnover battle. They lost the game. Lost yeah. by three. There was a fourteen that's point a, game. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's been a problem for them though. Like turnovers yeah. all season been a problem. But uh, again, just, like you said earlier, if you go hypothetically, those turnovers are what you know him, the Anthony Reason over would limit, and that would kind of change yeah. things for them. But also, I don't think they would have been able to. I don't think they would have passed as much. Yeah. And I don't know how that would have affected it, but it's just one of those things. This team in this game, they weren't the better team. They weren't – they could have won the game, but it was like – like you said, the Butchers keep showing up. Showing up being a good offensive-driven team while someone like the Steelers, they can put up yards, but I don't necessarily say they can put up points, if that makes any sense. There's a difference between putting up yards and putting up points. They put up 475 yards, and, I mean, even scoring 30-something points is great, but all those turnovers, that just that just means you could have put up 600 yards and 45 mm-hmm. points, so you, you're not getting all your points. While the Butchers, on the other hand, they're getting all their points. Give them the ball in the red zone, they're getting points. Give them the ball when they're not supposed to have it. They're getting points. And the Steelers just weren't able to do that in this game. So that's all I'm going to say about it. I guess we can move on. So the next game we got is the Crocodiles versus the Crusaders. It was close. Another close one. What's your thoughts on win or loss? Did the Crocs win it or did the Crusaders lose it? I mean, it was, it was right there. It was a close one. It was a close one, but I'm but I'm not gonna do the Crocs like that. Yeah. Um, I think I think the Crocs won the game fair and square. Um, I do think the Crusaders had a chance to win the game, and I'm gonna go straight to this play. I'm not gonna harp on this game too much because uh, Crusaders are playing, you know, their hearts out. 
they just don't have the depth. And uh, and against a team like the Crocodiles, you're gonna need depth. Like the, your good, your your best players uh, playing offense and defense, man. That's a lot. Like it, it really is a lot. And you need you it, it, it takes away from you and it and it helps you at times too. But I think in this game is where we really seen it. Like they were gassed. Like they just needed a play. Um, there's one play in the game that I'll talk about, and I think it was first. It was one of the last drives that the Crocs had. And it was first down, and they ran us either a counter or a sweep. The linebacker for the UNC Crusaders read the play, is in the backfield for to get a five yard loss on mm-hmm. uh, Powell. He was so tired, though, that when he comes up to make the play, Powell gives him the stiff arm. Now Powell goes on to run for like another, I want to say, seven, eight yards. Now, the reason I say that play was important is because if he makes this play, now Santiago has to throw the ball. Or either they have to commit to saying, hey, we're not going to try to get the first down. We're just going to run our plays and punt. Mm-hmm. But being that, but being that the, the the time where the time was at, at the time, like if he would have made that play, um, now they're second and 15. So what are you running now? Are you going to run again? Or are you going to throw the ball? Like, like what are you going to do? It would have put them in a better situation to get the ball back. They couldn't They couldn't get the ball back after he gave them that stiff arm. And a lot of people don't look at plays like that, but I do because I know, like, what position it could put you in. Yeah, it's, but if you, it's a catalyst if, play. If yeah, yeah. And if, if it's first down and he gets eight yards and you're trying to get the ball back, that's not, that's not how you start that off. And it's just – it was just like, and I and I, I know he's seen it because I see him on film. He was just so kind of mad at himself for make, missing the play. But what it is is, Powell isn't a normal running back that you can run up to and grab onto. No, you like, can't get. This is, and, and this is why I say people have to uh, good good football players watch film. I mean, if you see me break down film, um, you'll you'll notice I look at a lot of different things. I'm not just looking at plays. I'm looking at what running backs do when you approach them. Uh, is he a stiff arm guy? Is he a shoulder guy? Will he let me get up on his body? Somebody like like uh, Paul, he's going to put that stiff arm on you. So you got to be ready to knock it down and make the tackle. Um, he didn't in this in this in this instance, and he got seven eight yards, and it just continued to run the clock, and then the game just eventually ended. But that was a that was a hard fought game. Like you would see Crusaders, they gave him everything they had. Can, um, can I give y'all some free, killing them. free game here real quick just because of what you're saying? Like, it, if anybody is listening that's ever played football and is in the Maple League especially, let's just say it right here. You really just can't tackle a good running back from the waist up. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> just, I don't care how big of a linebacker or even defensive lineman you are, you can't tackle a good running back from the waist up. You got to get the thighs the calf muscle, an ankle, a shoelace, and hold on for dear life. But you're not going to mm-hmm. tackle a good running back from the waist up. And Powell is a great running back. Even even the, the guy that you're going against, Seth Rowland, great running back. You're not tackling any of them from the waist up. That's all I'm saying. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you yeah. off, but I had to put that no, out. No, no, you're right. <laughs> you're right. But it's just going to what I was saying. It's just, you know, plays like that give you a chance in the end. And um, it's just the depth of the Crusaders is, is hurting them right now. Um, they're still in a good position playoff-wise and all that. So uh, maybe they can somehow, you know, steal them a win coming up soon. So uh, we'll see. But definitely I- I'm going to give it to um, Sadio because they won the game. Yeah, I agree. And, and all I'm going to say about the game is 
if anybody saw my picks and know that I picked UNC, know that we record on Sundays. So we made this pick before they lost two of their defensive imports and one of their lead receiver imports in Curtis Slater. Okay. Uh yeah. I apologize. Like, believe me, crocodiles fans, I would not have picked UNC if they if I would have known Slater. If we knew Slater. <laughs> I would have picked UNC. Like it just it is what it is. <laughs> And even last week, I said it in the podcast. If there's any team that could beat the Crocs, this is the only team because they have so much talent, and they still almost did it. Okay, let's not get crazy yeah. out here, Crocs. Uh, I think someone tagged me, called called me like I I'd like to pick against the Crocs or something, and it just made me it just made me think like I was four points from being right. <laughs> let's, let's not act like I was way off. Like, yeah, it's not it, like y'all catch my Watch, why tag us if you won by three points, bro? Like it's not like y'all like that could have went anyway. That game could have went anyway. You, yeah, like, let me see if y'all blowing them out or something. But if you're not blowing nobody out, don't tag me. Yeah. <laughs> don't tag me anything. What I what I did like though is I think that the crocodiles there was never there was never a point in this game where I felt like the crocodile was gonna lose. Even though they only won by three at half, they were up twenty one seven. I never felt like they really were going to lose because their offense just kept going every time. And I was like, the Crusaders' offense at some point is not going to be able to. And that's what it came down to at the end. Like there was situations where you just like when you have to, you know, like nut up. The Crusaders are going to be tired as shit in the fourth quarter, which they were, and they're just hanging on and they're just looking and hoping for a big play. And what they really needed was they needed the Crocs to give them something. And the Crocs don't do that. Shout out to Sinioki. Crocs don't do that. They don't just give you something. Looking at notes, I think Crocodile's defense played good. Their offense played good. I know they gave up a lot of probably yards and points to the Crusaders, but it's one of those things where, I mean, the Crusaders are one of those teams. Like, they just make big plays when they need it, and that eats you up sometimes, and they get points. But, again – in a four quarter thing, the Crocodiles did the best you could do against them. I think offensively, they they might have got too conservative towards the end, and that might have led to UNC being able to come back. But they're okay with that because again, it never looked like they were going to lose in this game. And similar to what I said about the Butchers game, I think their offense played how they want the offense to play. The quarterback is almost eighty percent, two hundred and forty yards, three touchdowns. Powell gets 170 yards rushing, ha- adds another 40 reception yards, so he's over 200 all-purpose, two touchdowns. And then Sarkula, two touchdowns, 90 yards, and even your um, number two receiver, Olinquist, 68 yards and a touchdown. Like, the ball was spread. They were able to do what they wanted to do offensively, and it kept everybody fresh. In the fourth quarter, I think it was the fourth quarter when uh, Paul had that really long run. That doesn't happen mm-hmm. if forcing the ball to him all game. But he was kept fresh because they were able to put the ball in other people's hands, which is what they've always tried to do. And there's such a balanced attack. I want to say they had 240 yards passing and then close to another 200 yards rushing. You know, very balanced attack. That's all you can expect from a really good team, which, I mean, probably the best team in the Maple League, which is what they are. Last thing I want to say about this game was I was a little bit disappointed in watching Philip Zakuk, uh bend the quarterback's leg twice from UNC. Um, there was one time when Yadell got hurt, and then another time where you could see that he should have been hurt, but he's a really strong guy. 
both times you could watch it. It's not hard to see. Number 99 is tackling him. And once they get down, he twists the leg. It's that mm. old 1990s, 1980s football style that I, I don't care for it. And I'm just putting this out there that I saw it. I don't I know this is the NFL, so they're not gonna like find him or something, but that's something that I would I would eject the player for. I would try to get him ejected for a game because that is just endangering player safety for no reason. Like these weren't like in the midst of a play happening, turning. The player was yeah. on the ground, and then you could see him violently twist someone's leg. And he was already in a compromised position when this dude twisted his leg. If Yadel wasn't as strong as he is, he easily could have had his ankle or leg broken in this game because Philip Zakic felt the need to go that extra mile and put malice in a game where we're supposed to have sportsmanship. I just wanted to put that as the last thing out there on that. Last game, Wolverines versus Royals. It was a blowout. We know the win was the Royals won, the Wolverines lost. That was easy. Uh, did you see anything in this game worth talking about? Not a thing. <laughs> Not a thing. The Royals, the Royals, I mean, we expected the Royals to win yeah. uh, one or two of these games in the gauntlet. So that was a game that obviously everybody knew they was going to win. They put up a lot of points against the Wolverines. Um, not Nothing really to talk about. I mean, Wolverines just withstanding right now. And, you know, they just hope that they try to get better and try to just do what they can. But as far as the Royals, I mean, it's a win for them. So, hey, they still got to go through this gauntlet the next week. So, yeah, <laughs> we'll see. And with the Royals, they have three wins, and two of them are against the Wolverines. Just throw yeah. that out there, just in case people don't understand what's happening in the league. This was their this was their third win of the season, and they've beaten this team twice. So yeah, um, in this game, everybody was over for the Royals. That's what I have on here. Something that was weird: Alpha only had twenty yards receiving. Now again, I only worked, watched the first half, and the Royals were up twenty zero. And I guess he wasn't targeted that much in that first half. But I do know Darius Lewis showed up and was guarding him. I don't know if that had anything to do in the second half because they pretty much knew they were going to win this game. But just want to put it out there that Alpha had two games in four days and only had 79 yards receiving. I mean, he had 79 plus 20. So he had 99 total yards mm. in two games this week. So that's interesting. Yeah, that's <laughs> interesting. Uh, last thing is the Wolverines' first drive – again, sums up the, the season that they're having. They went for 17 plays, took nine minutes off the clock, and the drive, they kept converting on third and fourth downs, like third and short, fourth and long. There was one time it was like fourth and nine, and they threw like an out route to um, Kevin Adams and got the first down. I'm like, oh, my gosh, they just – they really want to get this ball into the end zone. And then it ended with an 82-yard interception to the house. Like nothing had happened. They spent nine minutes to get nothing and nothing. didn't score for the rest of the game. That's the Wolverine season. They can try as hard as they want to, but ultimately they get nothing. Yeah, it's just how it is for them this year. But that's that. That's it for this episode of American Football in Finland. Hope it was worth the listen. Any last words before we get out of here, Q? Hey, here we are going into the, the last – 
gauntlet of games that we've been seeing for the last week. But uh, I'm just excited to see uh, what's what's about what what's going to happen now. It's some crucial weeks, crucial games, and uh, we'll we'll see. Yeah, a few more weeks left. Uh, 14 total weeks, I think. So if you enjoy the show. Follow us wherever you listen to your podcast. We're also on YouTube. Don't forget to rate us five stars as well. Anything less tells us you are a hater. You can follow us on the gram and Facebook at American Football in Finland. Until next time, never forget T I F. We go. There we go. American Football in Finland. <laughs>